Our second reading of scripture this morning is from the the conclusion of the passage we've been reading in 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Listen for God's word to you. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful, a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thanks, God, for this gift too wonderful for words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are, we are concluding um, our study of this section of the second letter that Paul wrote to this uh, church in the Greek town of Corinth. And uh, we've been we've been slogging our way through this, and it's been uh, pushing us in a lot of ways that maybe are uncomfortable or maybe feel a little intrusive. So uh, the good news is we're finishing it up today. Uh, the bad news is we're not done yet. So, um, so uh, the reason we we're looking at this is well, partly because it's the season of Lent, and no one's supposed to be happy in Lent. So we're supposed to we're supposed to be miserable in Lent, or at least that's kind of the pop culture idea. So why not why not really you know dig into something that that's a little bit unsettling? So so that's one of the reasons. But the other reason is because this passage of scripture that Paul wrote to the the church in Corinth is the longest block in the in the New Testament that explains the why. There's lots of passages in, in the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament that talk about the why of generosity, mean, the, the how and the what of generosity. But this passage speaks specifically about the why. And so that's the reason we've been looking at it. Um, so uh, in our in our previous uh in our previous uh there we go. Uh so so where we've come from from this, we began by by talking about generosity. We said that we said that whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, uh, you are designed to be generous. And you know this because when you are generous, uh it feels good. That that whether you belong to a church, whether you believe anything about God or not, it feels good to be generous. We don't we aren't we aren't always as generous as we like to be because we don't see we we've got the resources. But when we are, it's a good feeling. So we talked about that, and uh, what we talked about specifically for for followers of Jesus, for Christians, is that when we give to the purposes of God, we align ourselves with God, and sometimes something amazing happens. And so we looked at that the first week, and if you weren't here, if you weren't able to track with us for this whole series, then you can listen to that online. But um, that's what we talked about. Then we talked about um, uh, how it's... Um, it's voluntary that there is uh, there is no obligation that in the Hebrew in the Hebrew uh, religion uh, in, in Judaism there's an, an obli- there is an obligation to give, 
And the, the idea there is called the sacrificial system, and it included things like the tithe. And so there was this structured way of being generous, and it was just built into the system, and you had to obey it. But uh, Jesus fulfilled the law, and we are no longer under the law. We are free, and we are able to do as little or as much as we want to, that it's something that's totally up to us. But it's not enough to simply want to. Right, so so you get to set the amount, right? You, you, no one's going to tell you that you have to give this amount, you know, a tithe or whatever. That that's that's no longer applicable to us as followers of Jesus. But whatever you decide, you should actually do. That it's not enough to say, oh, you know, my heart went out to them and they, I felt so sorry for them and and I really wish somebody could do something for them and then say that's that. So you actually, if you're going to to be generous, you actually have to uh, be generous. So we looked at that, and because that's hard for us, and because that initial emotional, you know, uh, uh, impulse fades, we need two things to help us do that. We need we need a web of trust. We need people. We need people like Titus's uh, Titus, Paul's friend Titus, who can help us, who can encourage us on the way, and we need systems. We need to to say, you know what. I realize that my emotion is going to to wane over time, and I'm not going to feel like doing this anymore. So I'm going to make a commitment right now. I'm going to throw my hat over the fence, so to speak. I'm going to say now that that God willing, I will give um, I will give this amount this year to purposes of generosity. I'm going to I'm going to stake a claim, and I'm going to hold God to it. You know, God, when I still had my job, I said I was going to do this. I've lost my job, and it's up to you, God, to make this thing come through. So, so that's the idea is we make a commitment. We need, we need to have some kind of a system in place. So we make a commitment. We set up automated giving. We do things like that. So those are the kinds of things we talked about before. And today we're going to, we're going to look at one final lesson. Today we're going to look at the question of why. Why do we do this? We, we've talked about how generosity is, is to align ourselves with the purposes of God. God is a generous God. And when we are generous, we are responding to the way that we're made. God made us in his image. And when we're generous, we're being like God. And so we understand that. But still, if if God has the stuff, I mean, I can't conjure up things, right? God can. Uh, I can't make money fall from the sky the way God can. So why does God involve us at all? You know, why doesn't God simply cut out the middleman? Why does God say, okay, I'm going to give you the money and then you be generous to those people over there. Why does God even include us in that? And so that's the, that's the place where Paul wraps up this, this passage of the scriptures. We're going to look at the, the question of why are we even involved? What is God trying to do that he includes us in the middle of this project of, of his own generosity? So, um, uh, if you've got the scriptures still with you, then, um, go ahead and, uh, begin looking at the passage from, uh, verse six in the reading today. So, so Paul says that um, we should remember this, that a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Paul is saying there is a principle of proportionality in this, that you get out of it what you put in. That, that that's, uh, It's up to you to decide how much you put in, but you should expect uh, a, a proportional response. If you do more, you'll get more, and if you do less, you'll get less. So he just says, this just makes sense. There's nothing particularly uh, spiritual about that. It's just the reality of it. And then he says, so you get to decide. You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God give, loves a person who gives cheerfully. And as I said, I love uh, Eugene Peterson's translation of this. 
passage. He says, uh, make up your own mind what you'll give and that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting because too often somebody gets up here and they say, oh, you should hear, you know, the sad thing up there going on in that place and, and, uh, the, the desperate need for, you know, a new roof on the church or, or whatever, whatever, you know, my salary, whatever it is that the person up here in the front says. And they use pressure taxes. They use sob stories and arm twisting. And so Paul says, um, he says, it's up to you. You decide. No one, no one should lean on you. And, uh, so you decide. But do that recognizing that the more you put in, the more you will achieve. So he says those two things. And then he says, he says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will have, you will always have everything you need and plenty to share over with, share with others. Plenty left over to share with others. God, he says, he says this. And, and, that that means what it says, but there's something I want to I want to highlight because it's something that comes out in in the original language that isn't as obvious. You have to look at a couple of different translations to see to see this show up. It's that um, Paul is using the word uh, all um, in in the Greek language. There's a word um, that that means all, and it's used throughout this. Paul is hitting this drum over and over again. He's saying he says God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. If you think of, you know, sometimes you've been involved in some kind of a charity and they say a generous donor has agreed to match the first thousand dollars worth of gifts. So, you know, your money is doubled. If you give fifty dollars, then we'll actually get a hundred. Isn't that great? Because we've got this generous donor who set a limit of a thousand dollars. And he says, God has set no limit on your generosity. Whatever it is you do, God is, God is bankrolling. God is promising that he will come through for your generosity. Now, it doesn't say if you go buy a Ferrari and give it to yourself that God's going to come through. That's up to you, right? But he says if you are generous, that God has no limit on the amount he will bankroll, that God will God will cover your generosity. So it's a huge statement, and in order to emphasize it, he is always everything, all you need. So he says that God is giving this generous, generously. And then he quotes, a, um, he quotes one of the Psalms. He says, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Who are they? Well, they are those who fear the Lord and des- delight in obeying his commands. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. They will be wealthy for the purpose of sharing. So he says, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. They, they will be remembered not because not because of the other things they might do, but specifically because of their acts of generosity. So, so Paul says this is this is the idea. There's there's nothing new about it from the Hebrew scriptures, except that it's totally voluntary now. And then he says this. He says, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. He says we understand the way the world works that that you put the seed in the ground and you get the the bread you know at the end of at the end of the season or you know after harvest that that. We recognize that God, God provides everything, that, that God makes the world work, that the world goes around because God keeps it running. And we're not farmers anymore, but, but the same, the same thing applies here. We're relying on God for the, the stuff of life, for our daily bread, that ultimately we believe as people of faith that God runs the world. And so if we're going to keep our job, if we're going to uh, graduate from college, if we're going to do the things we do in order to make a living, that we're dependent on God. And then he says, he says, um, 
He, he does another one of these um, every way. You'll be enriched in every way, uh, so you'll always be generous. He says, because of the work you do, because of your involvement in the, the, the way the world works, because of your involvement in the economic system, you will have these things. And then he says, um, he says, uh, I think I'm missing a slide. I'll actually consult the words here. So he says, uh, um, he says, um, in the same way he will provide and, and sorry, let's go back to verse 10. All right. Ah, technology. So he says, all right. So he says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Okay. So I already explained that. And then he says, in the same way, this is the missing slide. Okay. In the, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. He's saying, you already depend on God, right? How, how you know, how could you, how could you have taken out that mortgage? You had no way of knowing that your job would hold up and yet you did. He says, he says, you basically live your life assuming that things will continue to function. That God has created a world in which you can work your way through it and you'll have money for, for your salary, you'll have money for groceries, you'll have money for the things of life. He says, he says, you assume those things already, right? And sometimes we get a hiccup and we get surprised by the way it turns out, but ultimately God is in charge of the world. And then he says, okay, so extend that to the area of generosity. That we, we, we make a million decisions a day assuming that, that we know how the world works and that we can operate in it. And he says, now extend that assumption to generosity. The same way you extended it to getting a mortgage or, or taking out a loan on a car. We understand that there are hiccups, but the same God who makes us navigate life will also extend that, that grace to the area of giving. So he says that. And then he says, and you will be enriched in every way. In every way. The regular ways we think about, paying our mortgage, buying groceries, keeping a roof over the head, over our heads, buying a car, paying for insurance, paying our bills. The same way we're counting on God ultimately to make those things happen in every way so we can be generous. So that this extends to the area of generosity. And then he says, okay. And then he says, and when we take your gift, so he's going to travel with this group of people we looked at a couple of weeks ago. He's going to travel with a group of people. They're going to go from Greece to the Holy Land to give money to the church in Jerusalem. So that's, that's what they're going to do. And when they do, um, they will think, when, when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The first one is the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So he's saying two things. Obviously, the, the obvious one, they'll have the food or whatever it is they're lacking. We don't know the details of that of that collection, but they were in trouble, and the church in Greece decided to help the church in Jerusalem. So they will have those needs met, whatever those needs were, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God, that they will look up and say, Oh, God remembered me. In the, in the midst of my troubles, I, I follow a God who remembers me. So he says, that's a good thing. And he says, um, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them will prove to all believers, and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. He says, you will give them extra satisfaction because they will realize that that it's not just the, the Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem all by themselves, that the Christian movement is actually spreading across the world and it's connecting with people who didn't know God a generation before and they are now uh, becoming obedient to the gospel. They're becoming followers of Jesus. 
And he says that will give them an extra comfort. The first part is, yes, they will have their, their needs met, but then they'll have an extra comfort realizing that they're not just isolated, that they're not, they're not in trouble in Jerusalem because, because they're following this wacky cult that no one believes, that they're actually seeing the cult spread and, and become uh, ultimately the, the religion of the whole Roman Empire. And he says, and when that happens, they will pray for you. They've given thanks to God for meeting their needs, but they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given you. Thank, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. That they will pray for you uh, because, because the church is being strengthened. That they, the relationships between the distant parts and the nearby parts of the church are growing closer and closer together. That when we help people either within the church or beyond the church, the church grows. So generosity is a good thing. Whether you're a church person or not, you want to help people who are hurting. And that's, that's kind of the, the basic non-spiritual, the, the non-spiritual benefit that comes from this. But he says there's another benefit that comes for believers because it connects the church closer together. So he says, thanks to God for this gift too wonderful for words. But I want to go back and I want to talk about this this phrase here, you've probably heard it, God loves a cheerful giver, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You've, you've heard, you've heard that said somewhere, and I want to say what that actually means, because I kind of, I kind of glossed over it. So very briefly, uh, I want to explain what that means. It doesn't mean that if you're cheerful, God will love you. It means God loves making you cheerful. That God wants you to be cheerful, and He knows that giving will do that. I want to tell a little story. The the youth of the church and Lonnie and I are reading this book. It's the story of it's a story. It's a book called Thirst. It's by a man named Scott Harrison. He's the founder of uh, Charity Water, and it's a water charity. They have a mission of bringing clean water to the world, and they've it's it's an amazing story, and I I commend it. And um, they have a website and everything. In fact, the story involves their their graphic designer. They had had this uh, woman who was volunteering to make their website for a couple of uh, for for some period of time I forget a couple of months and they finally said you're you're doing a great job you know it's a charity a lot of our money comes in over the website uh, you know to communicate to our donors what is going on to 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 communicate the need and then communicate the results of their giving we want a very sophisticated website so can you can you do that and she said sure she volunteered but the the needs grew and they finally said we'd like to offer you a job. But here's the problem. It's half as much money and no benefits. And she thought about it, and then she said, okay, I'll take the job. So she got the job, and she uh, went off on the, the next time there was a trip to Africa. She went to Africa so she could understand what they were doing. They were building a well there. And um, she came back, and uh, uh, it says... Um, uh, she was she was ill, and he says Vic ended up testing positive for malaria and spent four days at Lenox Hill, um, and so so uh, they went to visit her, and uh, she recovered and she came back in time to do some things uh, that they were desperate for her to do, um, and then in uh, mid June, just a week before this next big event, Vic handed me a piece of paper and broke down sobbing. It was a hospital bill for forty thousand dollars. She says I don't know what to do. They just keep sending me bills and the numbers keep going up. So he says, Vic, we'll figure this out. Um, we'll have to figure out a way to do that. He says, I'm Trump, you know, I'm a, I'm a 35 year old trying to create a globe trotting charity. How am I going to do this? He says, let's pray about this. It was the only thing I could think to do. 
So she closed her eyes. God, I said, we could sure use your help right now. We prayed as hard as I've ever prayed for anything. And then he gave Vic a hug and said, let's give it a few days. So she went back to work. And then the next day, she called him and said this. On a whim, she'd called the design agency where she used to work and was connected with a woman in HR whom she'd never met in a satellite office across the country. She explained her situation to the woman, the charity trip, the malaria, the hospital bills, and asked if she had any recourse. She hadn't worked at the agency in four months, and maybe there was a health care grace period she didn't know about. She was so nice, and she put me on hold. Okay, Scott, they never canceled my health insurance. Somebody screwed up, and they totally <laughs> forgot. What? I know. I'm still fully covered, as if I'm working there. I'm flipping out. I can't believe it. The woman said to send her the paperwork. They'd process the hospital bill and then cancel my insurance once the claim is closed. Are you serious? It felt like the best day ever. God loves a cheerful giver. Vic never questioned whether or not the the thing was something she should do. It was a big cut in pay, and it had no health insurance, and she went off to Africa, got malaria, and came back. And God surprised her because months earlier... When somebody was filling in forms, they forgot to check a box, and God smiled and said, oh, I know just what to do with that. (laughs) God loves a cheerful giver. So that's the story of Vic. But I want to leave you with an image. Maybe some of you have seen this. That's the picture Paul's painting here. You have a heavenly father who loves to elevate you. When he upsets your picture of the world, when, when you say, when you say, you need health care. Now, I will point out in the book they explain that after that they get health insurance. It would be presumptuous to say God is going to somehow magically make everybody's health insurance work out. But he says, that moment, when you trust God, when you say, when you say, I'm doing what I think I'm called to do, And then God comes along later and surprises you. God rips the paper in half and your whole world changes because, because I didn't know that things could be torn in half and it just delights me and it, and it, it elevates me. When your world changes, that's what God does for a cheerful giver. And I wouldn't count on, again, don't, don't cancel your health insurance, (laughs) but trust God. Do the things that that may seem like they're a little bit, you know, of a roller coaster. I, I, I don't know if I can, if I can handle, you know, you go to the state fair, right? They've got the bungee jumping thing, you know, that shoots you up and then back down. You know, you say, this feels like that. And he says, no one's going to make you do it. This is a voluntary thing. But he says, you have a heavenly father and he loves to see you laugh. He loves to see you be delighted by his generosity. So.
What do we do with that? Well, you probably received a stewardship letter by now, and if not, it'll show up by Monday or Tuesday. We invite you to read it. It talks about, it talks about the, the ministries of this church, why we do the things we do, who, you know, why we, why we pay me, why we, why we do the, the sort of ministries we talked about earlier. And we invite you to take this time, prayerfully consider what God is inviting you to do. What exciting adventure God is calling you to do by committing to, stu- to, to, to giving to this church as part of your stewardship of what God has given you. And I invite you to read that letter, prayerfully consider what it may be that you want to give. And I will hold out that possibility for you, that maybe God wants to rip a piece of paper apart for you and bring you to tears laughing because you had no idea God could act so wonderfully in your life. Generosity is what makes us like God. Generosity is who God is, and it's what God invites each of us to step up to be. But it's up to you. No one is going to judge you or think ill of you if you're not ready for the bungee jump catapult slingshot thing. But if you get on it, God will elevate you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have included us in your work of generosity, that we have a chance to participate in it and be delighted, to be elevated, to be uplifted, to be exhilarated by participating in your gracious generosity in the world. Lord, I pray for each of these here today as they as they think about the opportunity that you present to to make a commitment to trust a portion of their life to you, that you will not only meet the need, but that you will delight them in surprising ways. I pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.